today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When God sees us, He sees not our sin, but His Son. And though our sins, like Isaiah says, that prophetically, though our sins be as scarlet, He has made them white as snow, and He remembers them no more. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west. And that's how He sees us perfect. Though humans are inherently sinful and undeserving of God's grace, no matter how hard you try, God has a deep, unending love for you. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches about God's amazing love. He sees you as perfect like His Son if you've put your faith in Him. Your sins are forgiven and removed, and you are His. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Song of Songs, Chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Song of Solomon, Chapter 7. So, (laughs) we have a very intense chapter here before us. I would suggest it is the most intimate in its intensity. And the reason is, is that it's a picture that is painted of this expression of intense love that the bridegroom has for his bride. And I tell you, this chapter in particular uh, is one of the reasons I'm so glad I chose to teach this book this way, because it is a type, a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ as our bridegroom and His love for us. And what's going to come out of this chapter is how Jesus sees us. And Jesus sees us in a way that we would never see ourselves. It's been said, and I think it's so apropos for our study, that when God sees us, He sees not our sin, but His Son. And though our sins, like Isaiah says, that prophetically, though our sins be as scarlet, He has made them white as snow, and He remembers them no more. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west. And that's how He sees us perfect, pure, beautiful, innocent. I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me because I've been praying about this all week too, because I I want to preserve this delicate balance between the expression of love in the physical and its personal application in the spiritual. In other words, I don't want to go so far if off into the the typology and the spiritual 
that you miss the meaning of this in the literal. And that's easy to do sometimes. In fact, typology is a a very um, uh, delicate uh, uh, matter. You have to be very careful because with typology you can uh, tend to get prone to read too much into uh, what it's picturing. And that's uh, uh, something that requires, I think, a, a diligence and a vigilance on the part of the teacher to rightly divide very carefully, very prayerfully, the Word of God, so as to not uh, you know, paint a picture that's not really there. One of those chapters that requires that delicate treatment. And what we're going to see again is this pure and holy description of her physical beauty, dare I say her sexual attraction. And what it should do is have the effect of enhancing the spiritual meaning without in any way taking away from the meaning. Uh, Isaiah chapter 62 verse 5. It says, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. That's what this chapter is about. It's about how Jesus as our bridegroom sees us, and as such how He rejoices over us. He derives great pleasure, great satisfaction. I know again it's it's kind of hard when you see it in that way, and I think that speaks to how corrupt and perverted our world is. So that when you read a chapter like this, it's, it's so hard to see the purity in it, the innocence of it, the beauty that's in it. So again, please bear with me. I'll do my best. Let's jump in. Are you ready <laughs> after that introduction? <laughs> All right. You want to leave? You can. We'll bow our heads, close our eyes if you want. Verse 1. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter. That's an interesting detail. In sandals. Now, why is he saying this this way? I believe it has to do with grace, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Think about this. Moses took off his sandals when he was standing on holy ground. Okay? But then when you get to the New Testament and Jesus teaches the parable of what we affectionately refer to as the prodigal, uh, the father takes his sandals off. What's the significance of that? Obviously that detail is there for a reason. Here's what I'm thinking. Moses is a type of the law sandals that are off. But the parable of the prodigal is a picture of grace, 
the sandals are on. I did that. I completely botched that, didn't I? Had a rough week, rough day. In other words, Moses took off his sandals, law. She has on her sandals like the prodigal, the father of the prodigal, that's grace. He is speaking of grace. And I'm going to add to it peace by way of Ephesians chapter 6, because we have this spiritual armor. What are the shoes? The readiness to bring the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are saved by grace. This speaks metaphorically with the typology of grace. Now it gets a little bit more interesting. The curves of your thighs are like jewels. The hand, the work of the hands of a skillful workman. So we're kind of, I guess, going to work our way up from the feet in the sandals to now the thighs. Well, this speaks to purity and strength. The thigh muscle is one of the strongest muscles in the human anatomy. Verse 2, your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. What is this speaking to? Well, here's a thought. The navel speaks to being detached as an umbilical cord from anything or anyone in the world. The navel, the belly button, if I can say it like that. And now he's going to go to the waist. Your waist is a heap of wheat. He was doing so well up until <laughs> that point. A heap of wheat. Guys, do not tell your wives that her waist is a heap of wheat. Set about with lilies. What is this referring to or picturing? Well, picture this. Harvested wheat tied in the middle, the sheaf, the bundle, shapely, harvested, and set apart. That's the description. That's what he's referring to. It gets better, verse 3, or worse, depending on how you want to, want to look at it. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. This speaks to her purity and the perfection in uniformity, in agreement. One has suggested that the two perfect are likened unto the two testaments of God's Word. They match, they're uniform, they're in perfect agreement in perfect harmony, and as such, beautiful. Now verse 4, your neck is like an ivory tower. This is not about her neck being very long, although it could uh, seem like that and sound like that. This is speaking to dignity. It's also speaking to nobility. 
And it's also speaking to the strength of character in the neck. Again, I, the reason I wanted to frame study in terms of how Jesus sees us is because this is how Jesus sees us. And it can be easily missed when you read a chapter like this where you just kind of want to read it real fast and get through it and then move on to the next chapter. And, but not so fast because there's something here and we're going to see this here in a moment too. This is how He sees us. In Him, in Christ, this is how we are to Him. Beautiful. There's a dignity, there's a purity, there's a nobility. Now he goes to the eyes. Your eyes, like the pools in Heshbon, by the gate of Bathrabim. I believe this speaks to the depth of inward beauty and the depth of character inwardly, because the eyes, really the, the windows to the soul, I think about in Matthew 6 where Jesus says that if your eye is good, your whole body is good. But if your eye is evil, then the whole body is evil. So if the eye is, as we say, the window to the soul, He's looking at her, He's looking at her eyes and likening them to the deep pools, these beautiful pools with depth. You know how, I'll just say it, some people outwardly very beautiful, very attractive, very handsome. Inwardly, not so much. <laughs> Reminds me of that. I hope you don't tire of me sharing this. It's one of my favorite. It's like in the top five. Wife says something, husband looks at her, says, honey, can't believe you just said that. How can something so stupid come out of somebody so beautiful? To which she responds, well, honey, God made me beautiful so that you would marry me. And God made me stupid so I would marry you. I know, again, it's, a, it's the best I've got. So outward beauty, it's, it's vain. It's nothing. It means nothing. And you know, when you're young, you put so much emphasis on the outward beauty. But I'm here to tell you, when you get older, <laughs> husband, wife, you've been married for 30 plus years. <laughs> What's that? I don't want to mix up my metaphors, but uh, that train has left the station. Can we use that one? Bye-bye. Oh my, the other day my wife was, I don't know why she does this, but she does this. She's looking at old photos. And then she shows me, me, when I was young. And she's, you know, very quick to point out, look how young you were. Look how thin you were. <laughs> Look how much hair you had. <laughs> Inward. Let me flip it around, if you don't mind. 
just as somebody can be so beautiful on the outside and not so much on the inside, so too can somebody, conversely, not be so attractive on the outside, but they are inwardly, oh my goodness, stunning. I think about Leah. We're told, and there's a lot of debate about the detail and the narrative, that she was tender-eyed. You know, some try to be kind and say, oh, you know, unlike her sister, she was, uh, you know, something about her eyes. Maybe she had a, you know, uh, didn't have very good eyesight, and that's not what that means. It means that she was not easy on the eyes, as we would say. Uh, not beautiful, outwardly. You know what's interesting? Is when Jacob dies, you know who he's buried next to? Thank you, Leah, not Rachel. In fact, this was, oh, that was a great study. I want to say it was about, ah, I think it was Genesis 22. And very interesting because um, there was almost this bitterness and this resentment on the part of Rachel because she could not have children. In fact, she only bore him two sons biologically, Joseph and Benjamin. The other ten sons, they all came from Leah. And Rachel may have been just, I mean, just stunning outwardly, but on the inside she had become resentful and bitter, and I would suggest very ugly. Outward versus inward beauty. And I think that's what he's speaking to here. All right, let's just get the nose over with. This is personal for me. It's a genetic thing. He says, your nose (laughs) is like the Tower of Lebanon, where I was born which looks toward Damascus. That's a very long and large tower. If it's in Lebanon looking to Damascus in Syria, how long is that thing? What in the world? It's not talking about that. Aren't you glad? (laughs) I am. It's speaking to the complexion or the color. In fact, Lebanon, the the word, the name Lebanon comes from the root word Laban, which means white, pure, bright, if you prefer. And that's what he's speaking of here, that she is light and bright. There's no darkness. There's no darkness. In Christ we are no longer in darkness. We're walking in the light because He is the light of the world. Verse 5, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. Now, what we know from Scripture is that hair speaks of submission. I think about the Apostle Paul. I want to say it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, maybe not, maybe 11. Someone might correct me. But he talks about the uh, hair in that culture 
that women were to have the covering as symbolized with the long hair. In that culture, short hair was like a rebellious defiance. If a woman did not have long hair, it was a covering, a symbol of submission, which is why in, the, in that culture, even to this day, in my culture to this day, even the woman will cover their heads. It is a symbol of submission. That's what he's saying. You're submitted to me. And this purple, it's not that she dyed her hair purple. <laughs> it's purple is the color of royalty. So what this is saying is, you are submitted to me as your king of kings. That's how he sees her. And that's how Jesus sees us. Verse 6, how fair and how pleasant you are. Oh, love with your delights. This stature of yours, verse 7, is interesting, like a palm tree. We know a thing or two about palm trees here in Hawaii. And here it is again, your breasts like its clusters. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Now, why palm trees? Of all the trees that he could have mentioned and referred to in his description of her as his lover, he chose of all of the trees a palm tree. Here's a thought. Did you know that the palm tree is the only tree of all the trees that produces more fruit the older it gets? Most trees, as, as they get older, they're less productive. They don't produce as much fruit. It's the exact opposite with the palm tree. I did not know that. I think that is so cool. Now, you understand, I come from the mainland where there's no such thing as a palm tree. I think I've shared this in the past. Um, I did not see my first palm tree until our honeymoon in the year 1990, I better get this right, 98. We got married in 1998. We first went to La Jolla, California, and then we came here to Hawaii, where my wife is from. I had never seen a palm tree in my life. We are in California, and we're walking down the sidewalk. It's at night. We had just arrived, landed at night, and we're walking down the sidewalk to go to our hotel room. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I walk by this tree, and I'm looking at this thing going, I had never seen one of these. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast prophecy updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. 
You can also find Pastor JD's ABCs of salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is in spiritandtruthradio.com. And specifically from today's message, Song of Songs is a book that many tend to shy away from. But when you read it through the right lens, it's a beautiful love story. God created love as something pure and something to be enjoyed. Relationships are gifts from God. As we continue to study Song of Songs with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to view relationships in a new way. And not just earthly relationships, but your relationship with Jesus. The Bible is full of beautiful stories that can be applied to your life, so keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word, right here on In Spirit and Truth.